0: Hi, everyone. It's Lila Winston here, and I'm so glad you would join me here at One Love Live here at Love Walk. And I want to invite you to be a part of this new series called Letters to God. Welcome. This is a series where we tackle tough topics and we find out how we can use the Bible to actually grow and really sort of make our lives better. I think a lot of times as believers, we take the Bible as just a holy book that we read and we hope that it will make us better people and of course reading the Bible really can do that for you particularly if you are a believer but I want to give you some tips on how you can use the Bible more effectively and really kind of change the way that you engage with Scripture so that it has a very active part of your life and that you know that there are things that you can actively do in order to continue to grow in the faith. So I want to thank you so much for joining me and stay tuned as we delve into our topic for today. God bless you. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of letters to god i want to thank you for joining me today we're going to be focusing on the subject of spiritual techniques And we had a brief discussion about that in our first Letters to God. I touched on it and I gave you those techniques, but I may not have uh, made it as clear as I would like to uh, make it. And so today, that's what I'm going to do is really highlight what that is and what that means and how you can use it in your walk with the Lord um, and how to grow as a Christian. So I want to list them. It's about eight of them. Um, And so um, one of the techniques, of course, is prayer. We all know that. The other is supplication, fasting, reading the Bible, meditation, repentance, forgiveness, and consecration. And so these are about eight techniques that are really very important and every believer will possibly... Use these throughout their entire life several times in a variety of combinations and ways to be able to grow in the faith. And they're absolutely necessary. And if you don't know that these are in the Bible, they are. um, There's scriptures after scripture that talks about prayer, that talks about fasting, that talks about meditation. So these are very important elements as believers. And sometimes what happens is we do get into something of a cycle or a habit of just kind of going to you know, church, reading our Bible briefly, um, saying a prayer, and letting that be it as a, and that doesn't really sort of instigate the kind of growth that we need. Now, obviously life doesn't stop. So that means things are consistently going to be happening to you in which you do need the power of God to be able to do it. And you do have the power of God to do it. However, a lot of times what happens is that because we do not know what is in the Bible and we do not know these techniques, we sometimes grapple in the same way that unbelievers do because we just don't have the tools. We just don't know what's in the Bible. And that's why I always encourage you to read your Bible because the truth of the matter is that's the only way you're going to transform. That's the only way you're going to change is because if you're not reading the word, how is it getting into you? You know what I mean? And if it's not getting into you, then you're going to kind of rely on the things that you used to rely on when you were not yet a believer. So as we saw, there's prayer. There's supplication, there's fasting, there's reading the Bible, meditation, repentance, forgiveness, and of course consecration. And I want to add to that that there's also physical things that you can do. So if you're grappling with something, um, maybe you have an issue, maybe you're trying to change something in your life, there are physical, natural things you can do. I want you to remember something very important about yourself. You are a spiritual being and you also have a body. So there's two elements that we're going to be working in as we grow as believers. There's the spiritual side which connects with God, and then there's the physical side that connects with our environment and those around us. So it's really important for us to understand that we're sort of a bifurcated person, okay? So we are communicating through the spiritual area and then we have this physical area, and we can't neglect either one. There's a balance that is required. However, the Lord does intend for us to put the balance or the the greatest part of our attention on the spiritual side. Um, And then that's going to show physical and spiritual growth. So let's go ahead and look at some physical ways that we can actually help ourselves. If there's anything that you may be struggling with, if there's anything uh, that you could be going through. The first thing is separation. Sometimes you n- might need to separate from people, places, or things that are causing you to have these problems. It doesn't mean you hate the people, it doesn't mean that you don't like them, but maybe they're a bad influence. Maybe you have a group of friends and they all, you know, go somewhere and, you know, maybe they, uh, you know, smoke weed or they take some sort of drug consistently and you know that's a bad influence on you and now you find yourself doing the same thing or you know perhaps they drink a lot and that you find yourself doing the same thing and I want to say it's not just the the so-called bad thing sometimes we have bad influence from influences from people who do things like gossip or overeat or whatever you may think of it, or they're angry or whatever. So there are different ways that we can be influenced. um, And it's not just your typical sins. Um, Also, of course, fraternization or not having any association with someone. So uh, if you associate with some people, they actually make you better. And then if you associate with others, they make you worse. And that's a fact. Um, If you hang out with people who are maybe into... Uh, maybe they lie you know you'll find yourself telling a little white lie every now or then another thing you can do uh, is to limit what stimulates uh, the thoughts and ideas that lead to sin so for instance if you know that you get angry about a particular thing then maybe don't watch programming that makes you angry or if you know that having this conversation with this individual is going to make you upset then you won't do it, or it's gonna, or if you know watching a sad movie might depress you, then you won't watch sad movies if you're struggling with depression or something like that. I think a lot of times we forget that there are very practical things that we can do, in addition to the spiritual areas that can help us as believers. You want to limit the kind of stimuli that sort of leads you toward the sin or leads you toward the bad place. So you might find that in TV, you might find it in social media sites or music, literature, media, conversations with certain people, even games. Um, Another thing is to remember environment. Environment is huge when it comes to how you are being uh, influenced and we have to be realistic about our environment influencing us. If you are in a highly violent environment, the chances of you being violent to the people in your home, in your household is extremely high. And I think in certain situations when we talk about high levels of domestic violence, we don't realize that usually those people are living in a society that is violent against them. And in a way, and I'm not justifying domestic violence, but in a way it is that society that is exerting that on the people. And so they then exert that violence or that force onto the people that are closest to them. Um, Another thing to remember is also be mindful of what you say. Uh, Certain things that you say um, will make you think about it even more. Like if you think, if you're a person that's prone to doubt, you know, I'm not saying that by speaking something you bring it into being, but sometimes when you say something, it sort of like draws a line or it underscores or adds an exclamation point to it. So if you are afraid of something, maybe you shouldn't just sort of talk about how you're afraid of it instead you should say okay I'm going to try and think about more positive encouraging things to say another thing is to feed your spirit and not your flesh and that's something that we really have to learn as believers because a lot of times what we do is um let's say you have a weakness for let's say there's a man he has a weakness for some sort of sexual sin So instead of feeding his spirit by reading the word of God, studying and meditating, instead he watches TV or he scrolls through Instagram model pages, or, you know, maybe he watches something that's uh, detrimental on the internet. And what I'm saying is, is that you literally have to be aware of what it is that you're feeding your flesh. Um, Another thing to remember is to control your thoughts change the subject in your head and that's one of the biggest things that you can do as a believer you know i think a lot of people are suffering suffering through all kinds of trauma and Uh, flashbacks and PTSD and so much more because they keep rehearsing things in their head things that happen to them now obviously if you have you know some you're you're going through some sort of mental um, you know circumstance where you need maybe prescription or you need some counseling you should definitely get it but sometimes we're just rehearsing bad stuff and we don't have to do it you can change the subject in your head if you find yourself thinking about something that's not pleasant then maybe it's time to think about something else. Another thing to remember is also to confront problematic people and situations. Confront fear. Ask yourself why you feel the way you do about a situation and or why you fear the the event. Um, or the person or the persons so it's important to do that a lot of people think that confrontation is bad and it's not confrontation is fine it's fine because it really takes away the level of anxiety and the apprehension and really it gets things done Um, confrontation is an action it forces you to face whatever it is that you're afraid of whatever it is that's causing you the issue and it forces you to create a solution and in life that is what god wants us to do he wants us to find the better solution using his word in this world so he's not asking you so if someone let's say is you know nagging you the there are several solutions to that you can just kind of knock them out (laughs) that's a solution as well but that's not the good solution that's not the god solution and that is why you would go to the bible and then you would read it you have you do have choices you could sit there and be annoyed by the nagging or you could confront it. You might find that the person is going through something. They have a problem or they have an issue that could be easily solved. You might find that they cannot be helped. And you might have to you know, change something so that you're no longer in that position. But it's really important to do something. Because if you don't, then you're just gonna stay with the problem. And God wants us to rectify things. He wants us to grow. He wants us to be long suffering, but he also offers us options. And he tells us to use our own imagination, our own understanding and wisdom using his word to solve issues and problems that are in our life. Another thing, of course, is escape. It's okay to run from a temptation or to resist it. I think this is something that we we really don't look at as much. Um, And the bible really does speak about it he says you know flee temptation that means run from it he's not telling you just to oh you know it's not so good i'm just gonna leave it over there and i see this with a lot of people you know they might have a temptation for let's say chocolate cake if you know that you have that as a temptation don't even buy it don't even go to the cake aisle (laughs) don't even go to whatever it may be if someone offers you it just know Don't even go near it. Anyone that you know loves chocolate cake and they spend their time baking chocolate cakes, don't go near it. This is a little bit of wisdom that you can use that will save you from all of the problems that would come from engaging in the particular sin or the particular kind of issue that's causing you trouble in your life. It's it's something that you can do. And then of course, um, avoid, avoid. You know, Proverbs talks very um, extensively about the strange woman, and it talks about the young man and um, who is often ensnared by her. He's saying, if you see this strange woman, avoid her. He says, don't even walk by her door. And you can read that in Proverbs chapter five, verse three till the end of it. You can also read it till uh, read it in verse twenty-three. It's really important to understand that sometimes the best method the best way to avoid sin is really just kind of get rid of it walk around it avoid it delete block take another route erase it move it ignore it whatever you have to do and i think this really kind of helps especially when we think of people who often fall into sort of sexual sins or maybe food sins or other type of things like Just avoid it. If you don't want to fall into it, if you know it is a weakness in your flesh, because we all have weaknesses in our flesh, each and every one of us has a specific kind of weakness that is endemic to our flesh, not our spirit, not who we are, it's a weakness in the flesh. So you have to realize that a lot of people that feel like they're born a certain way are really just sort of grappling with an endemic weakness in their flesh. And they sort of conflate that with who they are, but that's not the case. Just because you have a weakness in a certain area doesn't mean that is who you are and it doesn't mean that you have to succumb to it. What it means is is that you have to avoid it. You have to make a way to get around it, to flee from it. And that's what a lot of people don't know you know, if you are a young woman and you are on, you know, I don't know, Facebook, and you keep getting text messages from men saying, hey, meet me here, meet me there, and you're tempted by that, maybe just go ahead and turn off messages for your Facebook so that people who are not within your friends group can text you. And if it gets so bad that you just... It's somehow happening anyway, then delete your Facebook. Because the Bible said it is better to go into the kingdom of heaven named than to go into hell. He says, cut off your, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. He says, if you're, you know, what he's basically, if your left eye offends you, he says, pluck it out. What he's saying is, is get the problematic areas away whatever the problem, I don't suggest you go to that level. But if it comes down to going to hell or losing an eye, <laughs> think about that. That's, that's kind of curious. But I want to tell you most importantly is to definitely uh, avoid those things that you know are weaknesses or that will cause you to act out in a way that you don't want to. Another thing to remember is in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to look at some scripture now because we've been kind of looking at uh, the different ways that um, we can avoid sin. We can avoid falling into certain struggles that we could use to overcome these sort of techniques we can use. To overcome sin. And I'm going to read some scripture now so that we can have some backing here. We have Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27. And I would encourage you to read to chapter 30, but I'm going to read just 27. It says, Neither give place to the devil. So what he's saying is don't give a foothold. Don't make a way for the devil. You know, we were just talking about, you know, avoiding things, fleeing, going out of the way, doing whatever you need to do to get away from sin. That is basically what is being said in this scripture. The scripture underlines and it backs up everything that we were just chatting about. It's telling us that we're not supposed to make an allowance for that to happen. If you know that, you know, said, person is going to contact you and tempt you to do something, then you need to go ahead and just delete their number. You need to go ahead and just block them from your phone. You need to go ahead, if you're living in a household with someone who is combative and angry, maybe you need to start thinking about someplace else. It's really important to understand that there's no reason for you to engage in certain behaviors if you can make some forethought actions put those in place to keep you from falling into that. And obviously there are times when we can't do that. Maybe you're in a situation where you can't just, you know, avoid that person that keeps tempting you, or maybe you can't avoid that, um, you know, situation that's upsetting you, that's when we really need to lean on the word of God, meditate on the word of God and pray and get ourselves consecrate, consecrated. And incidentally, the word consecrate means to install or set oneself. So it's literally saying install yourself into God. It means to get committed and put yourself right down into him. Just really be careful for the things that you're doing. And the the Lord is telling us that we can do this. So we read in Ephesians 4, 27, it says, neither give place to the devil. But also, I want you to remember Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. This is a powerful verse. It says, if you do well, shall you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin lies at the door. And to you shall be his desire and you shall rule over him. Now, we've read this scripture before in other Bible studies, and it's really what the Lord is saying to um, Cain uh, when Cain brought an unsatisfactory offering. So basically, he told Cain, you know what? I don't accept this gift. You can go ahead and change it. And if you change it, then you've done well. But if you decide that you're not going to do it, remember sin is crouching at the door. So what does that mean for us? Why do we even read that scripture? What it means is is that when you know to do something that is right and you do not do it, sin is there to jump on you. Now I'm not trying to make sin out to be this big bad thing, In fact, the Bible talks more about sin rather than the devil in the Bible. So a lot of people who say the devil made me do it, no, actually the devil didn't make you do it. Actually, what happened was you had an opportunity to do what was right and you didn't. And when you didn't, your only alternative then was sin. And that's basically what that scripture is saying. When we don't take the opportunity to do what is right, oftentimes we are pounced upon by sin. And that that, uh, verse literally means that sin is crouching, ready to pounce on us when we determine not to do it. So if you find that there's something that you know you should do, like, hmm, I see this uh, Instagram model has sort of come across my timeline and she's wearing very little. I'm not going to sit here and watch it, I'm going to just spin past it, you know. This would be the wise thing to do for a man. Or to delete, oh, I didn't know she was following me, I didn't know she posted those kinds of pictures. But if you don't do that, then what that means is sin is lying at the door waiting to bite you. Once you decide, no, I'm not going to do what you know would be the right thing to do, then what is left is the wrong thing. And that often comes very quickly and very terribly to us. Um, And then let's go ahead and look at Matthew chapter four. Do you remember when Jesus was tempted in the Bible? You know, um, he actually went away and he was tempted three times by Satan. And each time he said something to him, he did something very specific. He used the word of God to rebuke Satan. Whenever Satan brought something to him that wasn't right, like turn these stones into bread, he always responded with the word of God. He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I want to encourage you, one of the most powerful things that you can do as a believer is that when you're tempted to believe something, to do something that goes against the word of God, is that you have scripture to back you up. Let's say you grapple with fear. A great scripture you can do is grab maybe three scriptures from the Bible and use that anytime you're faced with fear or you you think of that. So there's a scripture in the Bible where David says, at what time I am afraid, I will trust in the Lord. And if you can remember that, so it's really important for us. That's why reading the Bible and also sort of studying the Bible is important. And that is why I encourage you to get a concordance. You can even go on Google and put in your specific issue into one of those Bible searches and find all of the scriptures on it. Find three that really speak to you or even one that speaks to you. And then use that as the way that you combat um, whatever the issue may be. So now we're going to go on to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, where it says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. This is really a very important aspect of a believer. Obviously, we'll have certain times and we will be upset, but the Bible is specifically telling us not to be in a prolonged state of anger. That is bad for us. We know that lots of things happen to the body when you are in a prolonged state of anger or upsetness. So it's really important for us to kind of regulate how we do that. And I want to encourage you any kinds of negative emotions that you may have to really sort of think to yourself, I'm not going to prolong those negative emotions. And now we're going to look at first Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. It says, be not deceived evil communications, corrupt good manners. And if you go back up, remember we were talking about, you know, associating with people or not associating with certain people. Once again, this is being underlined. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. And I think the mistake that we make sometimes as believers is that we think that we have more self-control or, uh, or more, and I'm not saying that you don't, I just want to say I'm not saying that you don't have self control. But sometimes I think we overestimate this because we're not uh, having the kinds of communications that other people are. Because I believe that you if you are put in a particular kind of environment, the way that you behave might change specifically if you didn't understand that the uh, environment that you were in was having that effect on you and that's why it says evil communications corrupt good manners it doesn't say it might corrupt or may or it's a possibility it says it does and it tells us don't be deceived about it so we have to be careful about those with whom we are fraternizing are these people who are evidencing good character moral behavior. They are people that we can pattern our life after. I think this is really key because a lot of times certain things happen and certain scandals happen um, that you're like, oh my God, I can't believe that this person did that or this person did that. Well, the truth of the matter is if you were in communication with them true communication with them if you lived with them if you were around them then that wouldn't be such a stretch of the imagination for that to happen so we have to keep that in context when you're communicating with people and that communication means fraternization spending time communing when you're spending time communing with people you begin to kind of see who they are so let's look at something else that i think is really interesting and it is on the subject of married people and i think we do need to touch on that because this is a big area that people who are married or moving toward marriage and relationships have the bible says in 1 corinthians chapter 7 verse 9 but if they cannot contain let them marry for it is better to marry than to burn so this is another area that's talking about sexual sin it's saying and he's specifically speaking to widows here he's saying to widows you know, women whose husbands have died uh, or men whose uh, wives have died. He's saying, you know, if they're not able to just sort of contain themselves and live on, then they should get married. So what is the Bible telling us? It's telling us that you have a finite level of self-control and that in that in the department of uh, sex. So it's important to understand that some sexual sin happens because you you really aren't in a good place to be able to say no just realistically, your body, your mind, all of that is created for that. And so sometimes what happens is we put people in unusual circumstances and expect them to perform well when the Bible is telling us specifically that that doesn't happen. Um, we've got further evidence of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. And it says, defraud you not one the other, except it be with consent for a time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer, and come together again that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. So what does that mean? What does that mean? What he's basically saying, what Paul is saying, and he's speaking to married people here, he's saying, because you have no self-control when it comes to sex, make sure you do not Deprive your partner, you know, uh, of sexual benefit except for a short time of prayer and fasting. This is important because. Remember I told you that there are spiritual tools and that there are physical, natural tools that we can use. This is a natural tool. It's a bit of common sense that we as believers can use to be able to avoid this kind of sin. That is why I don't believe in long distance relationships. The husband lives in Tucson, Arizona. The wife lives in you know, Maine. The husband lives in the UK. The wife lives in the Philippines. That just doesn't make sense. And you're really just setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for sin. And we only delude ourselves when we assume that this is even possible. Paul specifically says that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency, what he's saying is Satan's going to tempt you because he knows you have no self-control in this area, and that's really a fact. It's really easy to um, be abstinent if you don't have a pile of people around you, or if you're not in some sort of relationship leading to marriage. And I think we need to be honest with ourselves about that. We have to understand that people fall into sexual sin because they they really don't have any self-control in that area, and that is why it's important for you to make, uh, make, um, I would say, make plans in advance. It's important to make plans in advance of how to get out of certain situations, how to make sure you don't get into situations. And it's something you do beforehand. You have to think beforehand, because when you're there, it just really won't matter. I don't care you know how saved and sanctified you think you are. This is just the facts of life. God is giving us these tools that are here in the Bible if we're wise enough to take them and use them and understand them. So let's go ahead. And, and this is something I think it's really critical that it was really an eye opening thing for me as a believer, um, just in the area of pretty much everything. And I'm going to read that scripture to you right now. It's in Matthew chapter 22, verse 21. And it says, They said to him, uh, Caesars. Then said he to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Now, I want to underline this because I think this is where a lot of us believers make this mistake. I know I have in the past, so I'm not trying to <laughs> make anyone feel a certain way, but a lot of times we try to render physical things to a spiritual God, and then we try to render spiritual things to a physical world or a physical body, and that is a mistake. Yes, God gives you strength to be able to resist certain things, but the body does require certain things that are physical. Man does not live by bread alone, but he does live by bread. It just says it's not by bread alone, that means not only bread, but he does need bread. So I think this is the mistake we sometimes make. If you're a believer and you're trying to move through certain issues, you're trying to overcome a certain sin, um, you're trying to make sure that you're faithful maybe in your marriage or in your body or in your mind, the way you do that is by rendering unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto unto God the things that are God's. And I want to take that aspect, that idea of Caesar, and turn that into the physical. And I want to talk about that area that you're rendering to God is to the spiritual. So I want us to think about render unto the spirit the things that are spiritual and unto the body or unto the flesh the things that are flesh. And that is what you must do. That is the same thing that must occur for people who are trying to keep themselves pure in terms of sexual sin, is that you have to render to the body what it needs. And that means if you have to go out there, and I'm saying go out there and be a fornicator or adulterer, no, I'm not telling you, I'm saying make sure you satisfy all of those areas in your life in the way that God has told you to satisfy them in the flesh on in the earth know that god is not going to come down and become your husband he's not going to come down become your wife he's not going to come and take away your human feelings he's not going to do that so let's be honest about that but when we honor god by keeping our life our emotions our desires in the right context in a physical sense then we're able to truly give due benevolence to christ in the right way In right relationship because we're not violating his laws then we're able to give to God the things that are God so I want to remind you that as you're trying to grow and live and so finally while we're on the uh, subject of marriage and and, you know um, people who are in relationships or things like that I think we have to remember something about controlling our own flesh and our own soul and our own body when you feel hungry you start making preparations to eat. You realize you're hungry, you get up, you go to the refrigerator, you start preparing food, you call the delivery man, you go out to buy the food or to pick it up, whatever it is, you start making plans. You don't wait until you're famished. You don't wait until you are um, you know, dying of hunger before you go get food. And that is the very same thing I wanna encourage you to remember. You have to be managers of that spiritual side and a manager of the physical side. So you have to learn to be like Christ. He was a shepherd of many, and I want to encourage you to learn how to be a shepherd of your own body and your own spirit. Learn how to be the gardener of your own soul in your own life, in your actions and behavior. You know, and I would like to make one caveat about men. Men, particularly, have a very um, Different or added responsibility to be shepherds of not just themselves but also their wife and children. So that is a huge responsibility for men. So you're to protect and upkeep. A lot of people think that for a man the goal is to protect and provide, but that is not the case. The Bible calls the man a husband or a husband is a gardener that word actually comes from the idea of a gardener the gardener doesn't doesn't just give the flowers water he doesn't just you know put a gate around his garden to make sure no one breaks through he doesn't just protect it from you know pests and from animals you know eating it he also makes sure that it's healthy he waters it he tends it, he prunes it. So I want you to think if you're a man, if you're a man and you're a believer, I want you to remember that you have an added responsibility. And don't be afraid. A lot of people get afraid of this. A lot of men who are in the world become afraid of this because they don't understand that God has equipped you to be able to do it. That's why you don't have to be afraid of that added responsibility. Yes, it is an added responsibility, but you're equipped to be able to handle it. In the same way that a woman has the added responsibility of birthing a child and bringing it to bear and feeding it from her own body, she is equipped physically, emotionally, and mentally equipped to raise that child, to, adult, to, to feed that child, to birth that child, she's equipped. And in that very same way, men are equipped to be able to be the husbands, the shepherds over their own families and their own wives. So it's up to you as a man to look out for their emotions and their personal safety, their food and life. A man is a gardener, that means he is a husbandman husbandry really just means someone who takes care of a garden or animals. He's someone that looks outward. So if you're a man and you're going to get married to a woman, I want you to prepare yourself mentally and physically. And if you're already married to a woman and you have children, or maybe you're married or you're thinking about it, you want to prepare yourself mentally and physically. Of how am I going to protect my wife and kids how am I going to be a husband to them to to look after their emotions I'm not saying that you know you're not God so you can't make them happy you can't do all these things but you do have a certain level of responsibility and God's going to give you a certain level of insight to be able to do that so it's important to prepare yourself for that and while you're married to consistently calibrate yourself it's kind of like working out at the gym you're constantly calibrating yourself to be a better manager, a, a better gardener, a better at whatever it is that you do. Just like you study to become a better engineer or a better doctor or to be the fastest or the strongest runner, or basketball player, or soccer player or football player. It's the same way when it comes to you being a manager of your family. And so, just as God, you know, gave, you know, um, Abraham the promise he didn't give that to Sarah he gave that to Abraham and he didn't tell Adam that you know they had fallen he told I'm sorry he didn't tell Eve that they had fallen he told Adam that because it was Adam's responsibility. So as a man, you do have this added responsibility, but the great thing about it is you're equipped to handle it. So it's, it all works out. Just as the woman is equipped to have a baby, you are equipped to really keep your family in tip top condition, you know, when it comes to protecting their emotions, protecting them and, you know, um, tending to them and seeing that they grow well. So you are suited, for that. That doesn't mean you're not going to get the support of your wife. Of course you are because God has suited her in such a way to work with you. So as we're learning how to juggle these things in our lives, really how to manage these things, we use these tools so that we can grow as believers. It's something we grow in daily. So I hope you'll take the time to listen to uh, this Bible study again. Remember the spiritual tools you have. You have prayer, you have supplication, you have fasting, you have reading your Bible, you have meditating on your on the word of God, repentance, forgiveness, and consecration. So I hope you will use those to help yourself to grow. Um, and I hope that this Bible study has been helpful for you. So thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you. Bye. Advertiser, and you would like to um, tell the world about your product or service, you can get a 60 second or 30 second slot at this broadcast. Now, guys, as you know, this is a religious broadcast, so I cannot do advertisements or sponsorships that do not fit within the context of a believer's life. So, if you have resources or Uh, services or products that you think would be edifying to the body of Christ, even if you also have a podcast and you'd like to advertise that here, I would be happy to share that with listeners. You can reach out to me, check out the link in the description and you can also contact me um, at the link below. There's a little contact section and you can leave me a message. So thanks so much. Don't forget to follow me on social media and i dot com forward slash one love line that's o-n-e-l-u-v-l-i-v-e thanks so much god bless and i look forward to hearing from you bye